Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. You got a Bible? I'm going to go to Luke's Gospel, the fifth chapter. I've been talking for several weeks on breakthrough. Look at your neighbor and say, breakthrough in 2022. Uh, As the Lord began to speak to me about the next season of life, particularly for the Father's House, for those of you that are members of the church online, uh, one of the things the Lord began to say to me was, if you love one another, you'll break through in 2022. In that kindness, in that covenant reality of God, I believe there's another level, another dimension that can take place in our lives. At the same time, I think that one of the things that hinder us from experiencing that next dimension is the disappointment of unrealized expectations, unmet expectations, and that most of the time people are discouraged, they're depressed, they're discontent, not over what has happened, but over what didn't happen, what they thought What should have happened, could have happened, and it did not. And those emotions then, those reactions, actually begin to limit, begin to keep what it is we're praying and believing God for from taking root and manifesting in our lives. We have to recognize that we have belief systems that are contrary to the faith that we actually believe. And there's a belief system, a limited belief system, a a low level that kind of hovers under the surface of our lives, rather subconsciously, if you will. And they're contradictory to the faith that we've been called to. They, They actually live in conflict, if you will. And it keeps many of those things from being released and expected into every area that God has for us. And that what we actually believe about God has been shaped and molded about a hundred different ways. And so I'm going to jump into Luke's gospel, the fifth chapter, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me while we read the word. I was raised in a little bit of a southern church and we always stood and I I got news. Sometimes it took longer to read the scripture than to preach about it because people get so excited. Are you excited to hear the word? You know, the Word is life and death. The Word cannot return void. The Word is, is health to you if you find it. And so in the fifth chapter, verse 1, So it was as the multitude pressed about Him to hear the Word of God. Say, they pressed. They wanted to hear. They were fighting for the front row. They were pushing in. I was in Cuba in about 1993-94 and I was preaching seven or eight times a day in Havana and I turned down this corner with this group of people and there was just such a crowd and they started pushing us back. They pushed us back about a block and a half until they could get me up on a car and we stepped up and we got up on a balcony. They They wanted to hear the Word of God. Jesus was teaching that morning and they were so pressing that they backed Him up to the shoreline. He was going to have to step into the water because they wanted the Word of God. Say, I want the Word of God. Uh, Say it like you mean it. I need the Word of God. I'm ready for the Word of God. Okay. That He stood on the lake of Gennesaret, Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Say, washing their nets. They were done. They had worked all night. They were through. They were tired. They got out of the boat. And he got into one of the boats. He didn't even ask. He just got in. Which was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the land. Can we float away from these people? And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. 
Isn't it interesting how God can take a boat and make it a pulpit? Hmm. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Say nothing. Half of nothing's nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Say net was breaking. Look at your neighbor and say, is your net breaking? And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. That's, that's, that's a big catch. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished, say astonished at the catch of fish what they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid, for now you will catch men. Father, I pray this morning that we'd be astonished. I pray that, Father, you'd just almost take our breath at the reality of how powerful you are, at the reality of how you can change our expectations. Lord, I pray this morning that we would not be the same people we were when we walked in here. Change us, O God, by the power of your word. And every believer shouted, you may be seated. I grew up out on a little farm in eastern Kansas, a little place called Severy in Greenwood County. And I can remember I was about nine or ten and my daddy bought me a mini bike. It was one of them Sears and Roebuck's. And it had that, that Briggs and Stratton two and a half horse motor on it under that seat. And uh, you had to stand real still. And then you had to yank that rope. And then you could, uh, and dad would have to come out and get it started about half the time. And as, after he got it started, he'd reach down and he'd start fiddling with this thing. And he'd fiddle with that thing and I'd run and it would go and I'd come back and he'd fiddle with it a little more and I'd run. And I said, dad, what are you fiddling with? He said, the governor. <laughs> Now, some of you too, too, too young, you don't even know what a governor is. You think that sits in Topeka, but that governor, you know, he, he, that governor could control how fast that two and a half horse Briggs and Stratton motor would work. And he could, I could only go so fast. You know, when I was growing up, they had governors on tractors and governors on that 54 Chevy and they had, they could control how fast, they limited you. You know, it didn't take me long. I figured I could fiddle. <laughs> with that thing. And I could make that thing go a little faster because I could fiddle with that governor on the side of that Briggs and Stratton mower. Um, you know, as I've pastored for nearing 40 years now, uh, I've realized there's a lot of people that they've never changed their governor. <laughs> they just kind of run in at 10 mile an hour. They, 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 they satisfied with getting to heaven, even if it takes a while longer. They you know, they, 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 they're, they're limited. You know how many people have limits? They have limits on their faith. They have limits. They, they find all kinds of excuses to limit God. They have all these belief systems that in many ways are actually standing opposed to the promises because their, their expectations are based on their belief system and their belief system is faulty just a faulty faith system that they've somehow acquired over the course of their life. I know none of you are there. 
I'm not talking to anybody in this room. You, you all, your faith is strong and alive and, and you, yeah. But, but most people need a breakthrough and they need to, it's not about breaking through the enemy line. It's about breaking through their own limitations. Most of the, listen, the enemy goes down with one name, Jesus. All you got to do, take the devil down and shout the name of Jesus. Because everywhere I look, it says, I come at you in the name of Jesus. And Goliath went down when David said, in the name. It's interesting, but Goliath goes down and the lame man comes up. And it was the same formula. In the name of Jesus, he'll take the devil down and raise the lame up. So if you want to break through something the devil's doing, just use the name of Jesus. I just suggest to you that what the breakthrough I'm talking about is about our own thoughts. Is about our own self-limitations that we put on ourselves that are based generally on the false expectations that other people have put upon us or we've put upon ourselves that we need to perform up to a standard before we can receive the reward. And I got news for you. God doesn't reward you because you perform. He's rewarded you because he's performed. He finished the race and gave you the crown. But see, we unconsciously, in the shallowness of our souls, we have this program that's spinning around that says, I'm not quite qualified. And maybe, maybe you're qualified, maybe you're good enough, but I, but Paul says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us, that we might receive the inheritance. The Father has qualified us. Look at your neighbor and say, Father, Qualified. Anybody here pray, Our Father who art? Anybody here know that prayer? Shall I start at the beginning? If you'll stay all afternoon, I can start at the beginning. Our Father. The Father has qualified you. If He adopted you to be His child, He has qualified you to receive. Anybody in here been adopted, born again? You're, you, you know God. Then if He called you to be his child. He also qualified you to receive the inheritance. But most people have the governor turned so low that they can't receive the benefit of having been adopted by the king of kings. And religion has told you not to expect so much. Religion's told you that if you try to be prosperous, that you're worldly. That's not true. God wants to bless you abundantly above all you could ask, think, or imagine. He wants you to have more than enough that you might give into all the work of the kingdom of God. He, he wants you, oh my God, I got, I got one. One. The rest of you are limited by the, never mind. I mean, you can take the people out of Egypt, but it's hard to get Egypt out of the people. I mean, they're, they're no longer slaves, but they see themselves as grasshoppers. That's a governed thing. I mean, it's interesting to me how these grasshoppers wanted to go back and eat from the table of the Pharaoh that they watched drowned in the Red Sea. Number one, the food back there wasn't all that good. Number two, the dude's dead. But they want to go back because in their minds, they are still slaves. You see... If we're not careful, we'll allow those limiting belief systems to depress us, to disappoint us. And we'll adopt a faulty belief system that's generally based on some sort of a performance system. And that, that lack of confidence will turn into something that will limit us 
from knowing all that God has for us. I, I, I've been called to preach to you about accepting the Jesus as Lord. I've also been called to get you to live as a king's kid. To get you to live as a son and a daughter of the Most High. There's a great story in the Bible about how Christ comes into the state, into the awareness, comes down the mountain, and there's a father there who's got a boy, and the boy throws himself into the water, and then he throws himself into the fire, and then he throws himself into the water. Talk about torment, right? Into the fire and into the water. And, and, and the father looks at Jesus and says, is there anything you can do? If you could do anything, have you ever been in that place where you just wanted to look at the Lord and say, if, if you, if, if you, I, I kind of like the Lord's answer. I think there's a tone to it that's not picked up when you read it. If I can do anything, what do you mean if I can do anything? I'm, you, you want me to do, if I, and he goes, if you could believe all things are possible to him. Who believes? It's in red. It's in your book. If you can believe, all say all things are possible to those who believe. And, and the father cries out, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, I must have some faulty belief systems down here on the inside. Lord, I must have something that's running contrary to true belief. There must be a conflict inside of me that's contradicting because you said, if I can believe, then I must have something that is making my belief toxic. It's not quite, if I help. See, we've been conditioned. We've got predispositions about what God does or cannot do. We believe, but we have this unbelief, this double-minded schizophrenic thing. We, we really have trouble believing we're good enough. We really have trouble believing that God loves us all the time. We really have trouble that, see, most of us think we're living in the consequences of our own choices, and that's really what the culture around us says. Well, you're living in the consequences of your own. Honey, if I was living in the consequences of my own choices, I'd be dead. Yeah, but you reap what you sow. You misinterpret the book. You do not reap what you sow. God reaped what you sow. He took your punishment and your sin and your sickness and he died your death and gave you his life. You reaped a bunch of bad stuff, but he put your crop failure to death and then let you have his harvest. You need to get the book and get out of religion. But we are limited by these things that sound good, but the end of them lead unto death. And they are conflicting us and they actually poison these lingering emotions that hang around because we've all been coached. I mean, we, we've all been conditioned. You, you, ever, you know what muscle memory is? If you develop the right muscle memory, you can, you know, you can. But you have see if faith has a memory. Yes. And faith, mem it remembers that, well, we prayed for so-and-so, but they died. We prayed for so-and-so and such, but it didn't work. And so we, have, we go through the motions, but we really don't expect to hit the green. We go through the motions, but we really don't expect to make the touchdown because we have muscle memory that somehow, I see people all the time, they have belief, but they're always thinking about the condition that, did you know your family can condition you? 
Do you know the, 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 the generational things around our life? The church always likes to talk about generational curses. I just want to talk about generational culture. Come on, you've all heard the story, right? Mama's sitting at the counter and she's getting ready to make pot roast and, and little Debbie's sitting right there and, and Mama takes the pot roast, she cuts off this end, she spins around, she cuts off this end, she gets ready to put it in a pan and little Debbie goes, Mama, why do you always cut off the ends of the pot roast before you put it in a pan? And Mama goes, I don't know, that's what Grandma always did. She said, really? Well, okay, let's ask Grandma. So they called Grandma on the phone and said, Grandma, why'd you cut off the end of the pot roast before you put it in the pan? And Grandma said, because my pan was too short. <laughs> you know how many people just do what they've done because Grandmama did it. And Grandmama had a reason to do it, but now you don't have that. Your pan's bigger. But just doing what always been done, don't even know you've been conditioned to cut the end off of... Why would you want to go to college? We never go to college. See, I literally was raised by a culture in my family that said, well, college isn't for us. Them colleges, them liberal schools, they'll hurt our conservative faith. I was raised around people, with holiness people. Now listen, my grandmama, first time she ever came to one of these churches that I was pastoring, she, she looked at me all the way home and goes, you mean to tell me you think them women can get into heaven wearing them their pantsuits? You don't know what, you don't want to know what she thought about tattoos. She's a good woman. She's in heaven right now giggling at me. I'm telling you, she's giggling at me, but, but I'm giggling at her. Because she had limiting belief systems. And she passed that on. You, so until Oral Roberts started a college, we couldn't go to school. Because, you know, you didn't want to be in the flesh. I, and then now I've, I've seen Brother Roberts' airplane. I've often wondered what Grandma thought about that. <laughs> See, those limiting belief systems. See, Holiday Inn wasn't for the likes of us. We could only go to the Motel 6. See, we all have been raised in a generational familiar and conditioned to believe what was good and what was bad and what was right and what was wrong. And then we grow up in an environment of culture. There's pop culture, sports culture, entertainment culture. There's ethnic culture. There's regional culture. Every country has a culture. Listen, I've stepped into countries and... They were serving me what they thought was a delicacy, and I ain't eating it. <laughs> take that egg and cut it in half, and take that floating, undeveloped baby chicken and put toothpicks in it and let it kind of linger there. And then, no, there's a delicacy, but no, right? They're different cultures. And those cultures shape us into certain points of view and certain belief systems and sensitivities. And, and, and so we're, we're shaped by our family generational culture and we're shaped by the environments that are around us. And, and those environments have gone through traumas. Katie's going to write me letters later. Our environments and our families and people before us, they've lived through traumatic experiences, Right. And those traumatic experiences have left them scarred and hurt and wounded. And, and do, you, do you know that unless a trauma is transformed by the very grace of God, that the pain of that trauma will be transmitted into the next generation. And, and, and so 
this group of people can be treated this way, but unless there's some sort of reconciling communal thing that takes place where people apologize and people make up, unless that thing is brought into a healing reality, then the pain of that trauma is transmitted to the next generation and it generally gets worse. And now then people in this generation are going, I don't know why they're mad. It didn't happen to them. And the truth of the matter is, is that every psychological study, every medical study says that unprocessed trauma will be worse here than it was when it originally happened. And we send them to therapy. And I go to therapy. You ought to go to therapy. Everybody needs therapy. But the only way that you transform abuse, the only way you heal trauma is through the transformation of God's grace. Through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. In the ability to be forgiven and to receive forgiveness. In the ability to quit repeating the story in the way it took and to hear what Joseph said when he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Thus, I forgive you, and I understand that God takes all things and works them together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. But that is the story of faith, not the story of the cultures in which we live. And we have reduced our common sense of faith to the cultural pop culture of today, and we still are passing forward traumas and faulty belief systems that limit us from knowing the power of the living God. And the church are the ones that will have the community of people who have been forgiven and know how to forgive and how to walk more kindly. And it is in that community that we can heal the generational faulty beliefs, the environmental faulty beliefs, and the traumas that we've caused each other. Church, that is our assignment. It is our assignment to walk through this life and be the point of contact for the healing that would heal our hearts and our minds in such a way that we could receive the unlimited blessings of God on earth as it is in heaven. Or we can stay stuck in our victimized, hurt, bitter mentalities and just have hell all the way to hell. Or we could have heaven all the way to heaven. Notice how quiet it gets there. How many of you want to go to the next level? I want to see my life and the life of my family and the life of this church. I want to see the city of Hutchinson be so set free from faulty belief systems that the fertile soil of this community would receive a promise of the Word of God and it just produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Am I making any sense? But we've got to be working at the health of the soil, the health of the human soul, so that it's ready to receive into itself the promises of God. You see, today we don't even know why we do what we do. We don't even know why we react to the things we react to. We don't even understand what takes place over in that tub. We just think we're getting wet to show our neighbors that we now believe in Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, is that when you go under that water, you are buried into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you come up, you are raised to the resurrection of life. And it's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that lives inside of you. And you are a different person. 
When we pick up this bread and wine, we remember that He died and He rose and He now lives on the inside of us and we're remembering that we're no longer of this world, but we're His and we receive the presence of God into our lives. We, we don't even realize that when we lay hands on somebody, somebody asked me today, said, are you going to have another prayer line? Yes, but I want you to know that when I lay my hands on you, I believe completely that the power and the healing of God is coming into your body. I ain't waiting for you to feel nothing. I ain't waiting for you to go, well, that didn't work. I believe that when you lay hands on the sick, they recover, period. I don't care whether you shake, shatter, roll, fall on the floor, or sneeze. I'm not looking for a confirmation of said event. See, we have to recover a belief system that is true. I get so tickled. Bishop, look at my miracle. And they show me a Chevrolet. Your car is not a miracle. There are people that don't believe in Jesus. And they drive in a car. Your car is not a miracle. I got news for you. The miracle was Ray Hoover. I had a car because of Ray Hoover. It was my friend who was the miracle that allowed me to drive the car. Oh, you don't, you don't even know what I'm talking about. She knows what I'm talking about. I was in a spot. I did not have a car. But I had a friend. And the friend was the miracle. The car was the product of the relationship. The house is not the miracle. The house is not the miracle. The friend that helped me get the house, that's the miracle. But see, when we reduce miracles to things, we've lowered our belief system. I don't have to believe God for things. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things, but we have a faulty belief system and we're believing God for things rather than this relationship. Now, I like things just so that you don't misunderstand. There are things in my life that I, shoes are nice. Let, let me tell you, the heat, you know that little button when you get up in the morning and you go, bing, 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 and it gets warmer in your house? That's cool. Listen, I grew up with my grandmama about half the time. Did you know having that little lever that goes whoosh is nice? Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. And it just disappears. <laughs> miracles. But let me talk to you about miracles. Miracles are Chris Wesley. Miracles are Tim Bowers. Miracles is Sean. Miracles is Hoxton. Miracles are when you're dead and then you're alive. Miracles are when you're so addicted you don't know how to walk. Miracle is dawn. Let me, let, let, let's bring the process of miracles into the reality of what it is. It's when God does something that you can't do for yourself. It's when God steps in and rearranges everything and you go... <laughs> and I believe in miracles. Am, am I the only one believing in miracles? I want more of them. Lord, help my 
unbelief. The crowd was pressing in. He was trying to preach and the crowd was putting pressure on him because they were so mesmerized by the language that was coming out of Christ. The Word made flesh was sharing the Word of heaven and they were pressing in and Peter was out of his boat washing his nets. It's quitting time. He had worked all night. Daylight was coming. He was done. He was through. He, he, he was ready to give up and go home. It had been disappointing. He had caught nothing. It was too late. I could say it like this. No one's ever going to love me. And hire me. Nor like me. My dream is over. It's never going to work out. I'm too old. I'm too dumb. I'm too fat. It's just too late. He's washing his nets. Abraham looks at Sarah and says, you old. And so am I. God must have been wrong. We must not be going to have a child. It's too late. Or Joseph. Yeah, I had a dream, but now I'm in a prison. I'm in a pit. It's just too late. It's too low. It's too far away from the dream. It's just... Hmm. And you know the story, right? Abraham and Sarah had a child. He was 100. She was 90. Joseph became the prime minister. Of the, it's just too late. It's just, just over. I mean, David was supposed to be king and now he's hiding in a cave and pretending to be nuts. Job lost everything and got twice as much. It's too late. It's too late. I'm washing my nets. Elisha's dead. His bones are in the cave and they throw another dead body in there, but there's enough power in the dead bones of Elisha to give life back. It's just too late. I can't do anymore. I'm dead. Jairus' daughter dies. It's too late. Leave the master alone. Lazarus, he sinketh, Lord. If you'd got the text and come sooner, but he's he dead. It's too late. I'm, I'm it's too late. I'm washing my nets. You ever been washing your nets because you're just done? You ever just got that place? I'm not believing God ever again. I'm just through with this faith thing. I'm done with church. I'm just, I'm just, I'm too disappointed. I give up. I didn't catch anything. Let me tell you, somebody going to be 64. Faith is a marathon. Faith is a lifelong run. It's not just a little walk through the tulips and I get my, no, no, no. This is a marathon. I've had to run and then run, get tired and keep running, get up and run again, have days didn't want to run, have days that, listen, you do three funerals. Listen, three funerals and a wedding is real. I've done it. It ain't a movie. It happens. Don't want to get up. Don't want to go to the hospital. Don't want to. Don't want to. It's just done. I can't tell you how many times I'm done. You ever been done? But it's interesting. When you get done, Jesus always shows up. About the time you get ready to quit, he'll disrupt your entire pity party. It is just, he knows just how to run a good pity party. Just run it. You're ready to go home, go to sleep. He just disrupts it. Just, just steps right into the middle of that thing and just. He doesn't even ask to borrow the boat. 
In this story, he doesn't even ask. And listen, if you ask me to borrow my boat, let me tell you, no, it's my boat. Now, you ain't getting my boat. It's my boat. It's my boat. It's, it, it's like asking Stephen to borrow his truck. No. I keep asking, Stephen, you got a beautiful truck. Let me borrow your truck. No. Dad, you'd scratch it. I, every time he tells me that, I said, I had an Oldsmobile one time. You run it out of oil. It was my car. <laughs> you can't have my boat. can't have my truck. Boat. Jesus doesn't even ask. Sure, he just walks around and gets in the boat and sits. Do you ever have God just show up and sit down? God will just show up and sit down in your boat. Your boat, your way of thinking, your way of talking, your way of living. Your, your, Jesus will show up right in the middle of your life and sit down. Every time I read this, I think a Sermon on the Mount. He sat down and spoke to thousands. He just sits down on the day of Pentecost. If you made me sit down, I'd break my leg. I can't sit still. Jesus sat down. Sat down in the boat and said, could we go a little further? I need a little distance here. Could we just float out? Look at your neighbor and say, can we just float out? Could we just, just, just float out a little bit? Just, just get in and you know how God can take your stuff and turn it into a pulpit, all like that. Just take your stuff. He sits down and the people stand there. And they just stand there and he teaches. And I mean, it's phenomenal. He has no PA, no mailing list, no bullhorn, no platform, no notes. He just teaches. But you, you know what really gets me? I ain't got a clue what he said. They didn't write this sermon down. They wrote down the Beatitudes, but, but Kent, there is no record of what the man said. Now, I... I'm brainiac enough. I want to know what he said. How do you hold the attention of people and there be no record? <laughs> There's no rebroadcast. <laughs> if you weren't there, you missed it. And when he had finished, he looked at Peter and he said, launch out into the deep. Launch out into the deep. You're going to have to get out of shallow water if you want something deeper. If you want to break through, you're going to have to move into deeper water. I've had people my whole life say, Pastor, if you teach shorter and not try to teach so much and not try to go so deep. Yeah, I could do that. You'd still be on milk. Some of you need to go home and read the text before you come back next week. Because my text really is from Genesis to Revelation. I mean, and the school books never changed. This is an interesting course. It's just one book. And you get to study it your whole life. Launch out and touch your neighbor and say, let's go deeper. Listen, the fish are never close to the shore. You got to go deeper. You may have to pray a little, just a little. But you got to go deeper, Peter. If we're going to get into what's going on, you're going to have to go deeper. And you're going to have to let your nets down. And Peter, like he's so famous for, he says, Lord... I have worked all night and I have caught nothing. I mean, Peter's first instinct is to argue. Yeah, come on. If the Lord says something to you and your first instinct is to go, what? 
You want me to pray for who? You want me to give what? You want me to say I'm sorry? <laughs> I mean, Lord, we toiled all night. I can just hear. You know, we toiled all night. You don't hear any response until he says, nevertheless. I, I got to tell you, Tyler, I think there was a look. You ever had one of them looks? Oh, you hadn't been married to Annie. Yeah, yeah. You, you start to argue and then she gives you this look. Oh, come on. You start to say, I have worked, I cleaned, I did. And then you get this look and you know what they're thinking. I didn't ask you what you did last night. I didn't ask you what happened last year in the pandemic. I'm not asking you about your first husband. I'm not asking you about your last job. I told you to go a little deeper. You, you've never had that look? And then he goes, nevertheless. I love that word, nevertheless. Nevertheless, it don't make no sense. Nothing you said makes any sense. But somehow my heart has been strangely warm as you preach this sermon to the people standing on the shore. I don't understand a thing you're preaching, Pastor, but I can feel there's a moment of breakthrough here. And so I'm just going to obey what I don't understand. You know how much I wish people would just obey before they understand? I've spent my whole life trying to pe get people to do certain things while they want me to explain why they ought to do it. If you're willing and obedient, you'll break through into the best of the land. Because sometimes you just got to do what mom and daddy say, even though you don't even know. Come on. How many of you are raising kids? You ain't telling them why. Just wash behind your ears. <laughs> now, someday when they get older, maybe you'll explain it. Never mind. I could. I'm not asking you about the pandemic. I'm not asking you about last night. Nevertheless, at your word, just say at your word. See, at your word. I, come on, somebody in this room say, because he said so, I'm going to do it. If he tells me to forgive, I'm going to forgive. If he tells me to be nice, I'm going to be nice. If he tells me to turn left, I'm going to turn left. I'm just going to do If he tells me to move to Hutch, I'm going to move to Hutch. Whatever. If he tells me to go deeper, I'm blessed. God going to go deeper. Touch somebody and say, your breakthrough is deeper. Your, your breakthrough is to leave the shallowness of your former self and move into something deeper, stuff you don't know about yourself. The fish are out there a little deeper. Amen. The catch is out there a little further. The breakthrough is somewhere else. Out, out. Mm. Say with me, it's Peter's boat, but it's the Lord's sea. You'll get this in a minute. He got in your boat, but you're sitting on his sea. You, you, he got in your ship, but honey, the only reason it's floating is because he made the water. Them fish belong to him, not to you. You didn't catch anything last night because he told them to stay out. <laughs> he told them to stay away. Hey, you, you've been out there fishing, but he's been going, go away, 
Go away. Go away. I went fishing one time. Went fishing one time with this guy named uh, Jay uh, uh, Lindbauer. And we went to Canada. <laughs> Dumbest trip I've ever been on my life. We went to Canada. And we got in these 14 foot John boats with a 25 horse motor on it. And we sat in the cold and we threw out. And all of a sudden I heard Jay back there going, get on my hook. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, go a little deeper. <laughs> and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Say net. Yeah. They took one net. They were cleaning nets. Yeah. But they took one. This, this Jewish stupid rabbi from Nazareth who doesn't know anything about fishing told me to launch out into the deep and we'd catch fish. But I've been fishing all night, so I'll placate him. And I'll take one net. Pastor says we're going to have a breakthrough. So I'll, I'll bring the bucket back. I'll tip a little bit. Yeah, did, did, you know, I, pastor says we're going to have a breakthrough, so, okay, I'm, well, we'll see. One, just placate. You ever placated? You ever placated? Today's the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. And you went, woo. <laughs> I mean, if you really read the book, it says, wow. Oh, and you're going, woo. Making fun of people that are excited about being alive and crying over people dead. The one, listen, I got to tell you, you didn't bring enough with you. You didn't bring enough capacity of faith with you this morning. You didn't come expecting enough this morning. You didn't come ready to receive something that could blow your mind. You didn't come this morning ready for God to transform you out of a fisherman into a preacher. I remember the first time I heard this message. I remember the first time that old redheaded, not because he had hair, just red, preached this message about you've been fishing long enough, boy. Going to get you out of the boat today, boy. Derby, Kansas, it's your last day, boy. Anita's no one knows what I'm talking about. Today's the day that God changes your life, changes your belief system, changes your occupation, takes you out of your way of thinking and your way of being and takes you into a whole nother dimension, a whole nother level of expectation, dashes your belief system and alters it into this and you're placating. You got one net. And Peter goes, help! Most people cream, scream help when they're scared. Peter screamed help because he was being blessed. Help me! This blessing is so big, I haven't got enough 
You need to come. I have broke through and you need to come and get a part of this breakthrough. You need to bring every net, every bucket, every cup, every person. You need to get in another boat. You need to get where I'm at because... I'm telling you, church, you need to get up out of that passionless. You need to get up out of that just going through the motions, placating faith. And you need to get beside your pastor because we got a breakthrough and we got a catch and it's going to be so big. And I ain't talking about money and I ain't talking about fish. I'm talking about going so deep with the Lord that everything you touch and everything you say and everywhere you walk becomes the presence of the living God. That every drink you want to take becomes death in your mouth. That everything. Help me. You're going to bump into me in the ice cream aisle, just like I told on that other lady a couple weeks ago. And you're going to say, why are you screaming at me? Help! Help! This idiot is bigger than I thought he was. I thought he was just a wannabe rabbi. This, I'm a sinful man. This must be God. Only God can break the season. It ain't even time to be catching fish. This isn't even the moment we ought to be being blessed post-pandemic, pre-Putin. This isn't even Putin. <laughs> if you think it's silly out there, you ought to be up here. Panic over pandemics. Panic over Putin. You're going to be panic. <sighs> Wow, if you knew what I almost said. <laughs> I choked that one back. This is a natural. This is supernatural. This is beyond any faith I've ever seen. This is because of the grace and the goodness of God. He looked around my placation and he began to operate his power in my own lack of belief. He's rewriting Peter's belief system. And all of them were astonished. Say astonished. All of them were shocked. Listen, the church, it's time for us to be shocking. Just be shocking. Go to work tomorrow and go, I believe. I believe in the supernatural. I believe God could show up this day and just turn my whole life upside down. I don't have to be what my me mama was. I don't have to be what the culture says I am. I can be so far beyond anything they've ever seen. I'd be like heaven. You have yet to see what I have done for thee. For no eye has seen, no ear has heard what I have prepared for those who love me. Oh, you better be careful. I have, mm. Four people are swimming out the back door, Kelly. They think I lost my mind. About the time we get a good crowd, I lose my mind. <laughs> Scare people off. Oh, Jesus. I can tell you where to go to get three points in a poem. There are a lot of them. 
And they forsook all. Whew, and followed him. They got out of that boat. And they started following that rabbi. See, that's what he's after. He, he, doesn't want, he doesn't care about giving you a fish. He's trying to get you to follow him. Once you see that there is a God that can do above and beyond all you could ask, think, or imagine, exceedingly move your expectations. Where am I going to go? You're the only one that has the words of life, Jesus. Jesus will turn around and ask him, uh, you too going to leave me? And Peter's going to go, no, no, nobody else talks like you. Nobody else has life like you do. I can't do anything but follow this word. I don't even know what he said, but I just got to follow that word. I don't understand. Pick up the Bible, Pastor, and I don't even understand it. You don't have to just follow it. Pastor, I don't understand your passion. You didn't see what I saw. You don't know the boat I was in. Fast forward three and a half years. Go real quickly with me to John chapter 21. Christ is killed. Christ is risen. And he showed himself to Peter. The Christ dashed every expectation. He didn't fight. He died. But he rose. He exceeded their expectations. And Peter goes... I think I'll just go back to fishing. Having seen the resurrected Christ, he's still so ashamed of having denied the Lord that he just went back to the boat. Have you ever started following the Lord but got so ashamed of yourself that you just went back to the boat? I have. Had moments where, oh my God, and then life happened and I... The divorce happened and the job and I, I, and I, I so messed up. I couldn't believe he would really want me to stay close. So I just go back to the boat. That way of thinking. I just let my belief system shrink. John 21. And Jesus walks on the shore. Full circle. Hey, did you catch any fish last night? your net on the other side. It says, this time it says they got 153. And the net was so full that they never got it in a the boat. They had to drag it to the shore. But this time, Peter goes, he, he's come again for me. He forgives me. And he heals my tramp. I denied him. But it's not based on my performance. It's based on His grace. And this time He says He stripped off His clothes. This time He swam naked and got on the shore. And this time he, the Lord goes, I got breakfast. I got breakfast right here. I don't even need you to catch the fish, boy. He got the fish on the skillet. I don't need your fish. I don't need you to fish for me. I already got the, it's already. I got breakfast waiting on you. 
I prepare a table for you in the present. It's already, look at your neighbor and say, he's got something cooking for you. Just start swimming. Man, that'll blow your belief system out of the water. That'll challenge your thoughts of yourself. Pastors just saying God's got something cooking for you that you have never imagined. He got something already simmering for you. Not because you're perfect, but because He is. I'm telling you, we're in a season of the unusual, the unexpected, the extraordinary, the above and beyond, because the Master's here. Somebody pray. Hallelujah. Somebody pray. Wow, you didn't tell me we were slipping into some sort of penance. You need to pray. What boat are you sitting in this morning? What boat do you need to get out of? What way of thinking has got you hindered? bitterness, what's, what's, what thing you're ashamed of, what, what is it that's, you ain't jump and get out of that boat. He who forgives is here in the room, you, you need to get out of that boat. You need to leave that behind. You need to let that go. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus this morning, if you've never, ever given your heart to the Lord, this is the moment to do it. It's so simple. All you got to do is say, Jesus, change me. I tell you, he's already forgiven you. You're forgiven. Jesus, change me. Change my way of thinking. Change my way of believing. I give it all up. Would you just say it with me? Jesus, change me. Holy Spirit, fill me. here that just risk lifting a hand and just thank him. Just thank him that he's making changes in you and you don't know what they are yet. You don't know what it, you don't even know how it's going to feel, but you know he's doing something. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.